beep, 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 beep. Oh, wait, sorry. It's the cold open for a different podcast. Okay, yes. Our cold open is just a can of beer. It is. Which I think that it's called a cold open, and it's a can of beer. It really works out well. You know, but it's a can of beer, which is inherently not draft. I know. And that is that is a problem. But the pouring of just like a draft tap, like that doesn't quite work as well. I don't know. I think what we should do is try to get one of our friends at a brewery to let us record the sound of a beer being poured. That that would do it. We'll mic it up. Six, seven mics. <laughs> <laughs> like a serious engineering effort. It will be the, <laughs> the most perfect recording of a beer being poured exactly. in history. Exactly. Perfect. So get started then. Welcome, everybody, to Draft Politics. I'm your host, Steve, and with me here, as always, it's EJ. Yes, welcome. We are at Dovetail Brewery, uh, the closest brewery to me. Also, as I was walking over here, I remembered that if I walk to Dovetail in the most efficient way possible, I walk past Rahm Emanuel's house. So there you go. Did you walk past Rahm Emanuel's house? I did, in fact, walk past Rahm Emanuel's house. Is he still there, or has he been moved to Japan yet? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't stop in and ask. I, yeah. um, you know, I, I maybe I should have done that. See if you want anything from Dovetail. I could bring him back. No. Yeah. I would, no. I, I would not bring him beer. I, I, I don't think I'd do that. I might. I might bring him a beer. I'd bring Rahm Emanuel beer. Well, I find out what beer he likes and then get the opposite of that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay fair. Yeah. yeah all right. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Uh, yeah. So anyhow, yes, we're at Dovetail. Uh, one important uh, technical note is we are between two sets of rails here, so we want to upgrade. Uh, from our previous podcast, where we only had a Metro train. We now have a Metro train and the yeah. L to compete with. Because we love infrastructure. Because we love infrastructure. And love so it. if you know how these work, the Metro happens periodically, you know, every 15, 20 minutes. Not that often. Yeah. Uh, the L will happen every few minutes. Every few minutes. And we have recorded, we, we now have it measured down to, there will be 10 second interruptions as the train oh, goes train. past. They might remain in the podcast. I might edit them out. Depends on how I'm feeling. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Who knows? We how, will see. How does it carry? So, uh, anyhow. It really uh, gives the right ambiance, though, for Infrastructure absolutely. Week yes. here at yes. Draft Politics. Yes, it is always Infrastructure Week it is. at Draft Politics. Because you need infrastructure to make beer. Therefore, anyhow. It is fair. Um, it is fair. So, nothing to talk about this week. But nothing we'll, at all. We'll try to find something. Well, what you got? What you got, EJ? I think we always knew that Afghanistan was going to end badly. Yes. From the moment the troops landed there, we knew that it was going to end badly. But I don't given, think anybody knew it was going to be Given who was in charge bad. at the time. Yes. Like, you know, I mean, there you you could there are different ways to run a military operation. There are different goals you can have, different exit strategies you can have. If you have no particular goals or exit strategies, it gets pretty challenging pretty quickly. Ah, uh, the sweet, sweet sounds of the brown line, everybody. <laughs> Heading south. Doors open on the right at Damon. That's right. So, yeah, I kind of jumped to the conclusion there, but, you know... In the last week, we've seen Afghanistan go from an American-supported government. I won't say anything, you know, sort of judging the government. Who knows how good or bad it actually was. Um, though objectively better to the one that's in place now. The, the one we were renting, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, shocking, really, I think, to see, you know... Three weeks ago, as you know, troops started it to to get out of there, and and Biden was really pushing to get everyone out, uh, all the troops out. There was sort of this, oh well, yes, we know the Taliban's taken some territory, but it it would take a year and a half for them to take the whole country. And and the the problem is they were talking about the time in pandemic time, so a year and a half was actually about a week. Yeah. <laughs> Five days. <laughs> Five days. Um, I think it's important to take a little bit of a step back from what's happened over the last few days. Yeah. 
and, and talk about how we got here in the first place. Because, you know, this has been happening for 20 years. And I will give the very distilled version of this, right? We invaded, of course. The decision was made to stay, to nation build. Meanwhile, we also went to Iraq, so that's a distraction. We get through to Obama's time. Uh, we have the surge, where we send in more troops as an attempt to kind of retake the country to an extent to uh, root out uh, al-Qaeda elements that had recon reconvened. That's probably not the right word. <laughs> like, it's like they're, in a, they're just it. like in a meeting and they just yeah. showed up there. Guys, we but were anyhow. just going out for lunch. We didn't know right. the country was going to get invaded while <laughs> right. we were. Oh, you invaded. Just, we, but we're going to just take the conference We didn't bring you back. anything. Yeah. Um, we well, we did. We, we brought them a lot of weapons. In well, here. yes. And so then, then we get into Trump's administration, and he draws down troops throughout his administration and, and makes a deal with the Taliban that goes something like this. We're leaving. We're going to leave by May, and, if you don't, and just don't shoot at us is the deal. It's basically like, we're going. So since we're going, don't shoot at our troops. You can shoot at the Afghans. That's cool. Yeah. Take, take whatever territory you want from them, but just don't shoot at our guys, which, okay. But by, so then Biden gets into office in January, and now he's in the situation where we don't really have enough troops to fight any sort of real war with the Taliban in the country. Um, and he's got a commitment that has been made in his honor uh, to get out by May, which he then extends to August which the Taliban seemed to have largely accepted was because getting him out by May was completely impossible. And now that they're pulling out now, we also recognize getting out by the end of August was also completely impossible. Well, that's a little... Little rail infrastructure too for there. We got the Metra yeah. and the L simultaneously. <sighs> so anyhow, that brings us up to date on Afghanistan. So yeah. tough, tough, tough position to be in for Biden because to continue to be in Afghanistan would mean effectively reinvading the country and right. sending in more troops and having casualties start up again, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but then he's on a timeline that's very constrained, making well, it hard to get out of any sort of, of his, effective his making, way. Right? It's a timeline of well, it's a timeline of Trump's making, Whatever. and then he could have ignored Biden's that. right. Uh, there's yeah, it, and this is the thing: is like, let let me be clear. Everybody screwed this up. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, and, and everybody and everybody was less than transparent, intentionally or not, about. What the actual situation was. Yes. Um, and it's, you know, this is one of those things. You won't, you won't get any hot takes from me on what Biden should or shouldn't have done. It, to me, it's like, I have no idea. And I, I feel so separated from what the actual reality was there um, that, I can't imagine a world where, and this is a hard thing for a middle-aged white guy to say, where my opinion would matter or I would be speaking with any kind mm -hmm. of authority. I, you know, the big. But thank you for listening to our opinions. Yeah, the the big the big debate I was having with my father actually was, and because the point that I had made was like, ah, well, if you know we've trained the heck out of them and we've given them all the equipment, if they couldn't hold the country, then they didn't want to hold it. And so it didn't make any sense for us to be there. And I generally was not a fan of us being there anyway. And what my dad said was, if we had stayed, would we had saved the lives of women and you know, people who are kind of oppressed under, under a, a strict Islamic regime. For sure. And... He's like, that's my, and so he, he said, that's his only bar, which I, uh, which I appreciated that thinking, right? Like, okay, well, we could be helping, even if we're not able to do things as well as they should be, 
I don't know. Well, I think it's like if, if, if your take is we should never have left the country literally ever and that there was a human rights reason to be there and we should have stayed there and it was worth a cost in terms of uh, our soldiers' lives and in terms of the lives of the Afghans who would be fighting along with us nominally and in terms of the overall cost of all of that, that's a, I think that's a reasonable position to have. I don't agree with it, yeah. but I but like I get that one. It, it, it's the one where it's like, well, we just needed to be there for n number of years that we don't yeah. know to make it a little bit better before we go because that's what's been happening f- since for eighteen years. at least Obama's yeah. administration, probably Bush's, yeah. where it's like. Well, if we just do this, this, and this, we can get out. Oh, well, if we just do this, this, and this, we can get out. Just need a lawyer jerger. Yeah. That's all we need. Yeah. Lawyer jerger. Then we can yeah. leave. Right. Problem solved. Yeah. No. No. So, you know, and so I, I tend to throw more of the blame for this. And, and once again, is my opinion of who gets the blame really that important? Probably not. But it goes towards the the first three presidents involved in this, not the one who ends up with a time to go and you don't have enough troops there to, to stay yeah and and so a bit of a, a devil's dilemma for him and and it, it frustrates me to see people who are like you know who are nominally trump supporters who are saying this is biden's fault like well i mean like, I mean, like let's be clear trump wanted to have the troops pulled out once he lost the election yeah i i did like uh I did like Mike Pompeo saying, like, well, you know, the Taliban is terrible. You never should have let them. Like, and then just pictures of him with the Taliban guy. Oh, yeah. Like, and, like, when we're negotiating on, with them, like, the, the, the Afghan government was not involved in that in any way. We cut them out. Right. So, you know, I, uh, it's just like, like Biden's left holding the hot potato. Yeah. You know, just as, uh, you know, with Vietnam, you know, it's like. Same kind of thing. It's like a bunch of bad decisions are made by a bunch of presidents. One guy has to be the one. One guy has to be the one who's uh, holding the bag. Holding the bag at the yeah. end. So, um, uh, 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 what, so two interesting things I'll say here is that. Well, I'll judge if they're interesting. Go yeah, on. Yeah, uh, fine. <laughs> Things that I find interesting. <laughs> Our audience will judge it. Let's see. Yeah, exactly. Is the PR mode that the Taliban's in. You know, sort yes. of. Oh, sure. We're going to let people go and, you know, whatnot. I, uh, you know, they're clearly feeling pressure to not be as, at least for the next couple of weeks, not be as standoffish to everybody. Um while at the same time not admitting that they're going to you know, admitting that you know Sharia law will still be the law of the land it was a great question with an interview uh, an interview I think Stevens keep did and it was like so are you going to cut off people's hands if they steal and the guy's like, "Well, if the judge says so, I guess you know it's, it's up to the judge." Like, <laughs> I mean, we have an independent judiciary. What do you want? Yeah, <laughs> okay. I mean, you don't have to let them do that. Yeah. Um, and so I found that I, I found that whole PR campaign very. Yeah, and I do wonder if so. Some of it is obviously like the eyes of the world are on this right now, and so there's at least some incentive for them to play nice on that level. The other thing is. You know, they've just cut deals. Like, the reason why it only took them five days to take the country is they had cut a bunch of deals to, like, get people to basically give up all the provincial capitals or whatever so they could just mow right through and, and they were good to go. So are there people who have been in the system over the last 20 years who would like to protect women's rights, uh, et cetera, that are they're still trying to be having a good compromise with and and i i mean i think ultimately if you get if we come back in five years we're going to find out that all this was bullshit but um i think that's likely but for now you know we'll see but but hey the afghan people they're still trying to pull people out you know there are still embassies again nominally at the airport um 
props to the British ambassador who did not leave. He stayed at the airport signing visas yeah. to get people out of the country. Um, the Afghan people are protesting, which is amazing. And the former vice president is fighting back. So they've recaptured some territory. While the current president is in Dubai with uh, evidently a big pile of cash. Which yeah. really is the right... Exa- which really just... That's the right, uh, the right way to show that. Because that's what the whole thing was for so many people. Going to Afghanistan for a while, leave with a pile of cash. Yeah. Yeah. Pile of cash I mean, that's theory. the thing is, like, we, we came in with, and, and the government was sort of corrupt to start with. We didn't really do much to fix that. We then, and we also piled a bunch of cash in there. So, you know, like, there was all the talk of the soldier, the Afghan soldiers were not getting paid. Well, somebody was getting that money. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. So, Kids, this is why you don't start wars. Just saying. I mean, yeah. you know, if you're sometimes wars are necessary, but this is why you avoid them to the extent that you can. So, speaking of something, bipartisan infrastructure bill. Speaking of our, our train interruptions, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I would like to do a, a bit of a mea culpa, because in previous podcasts I was very skeptical about a framework turning into an actual bill and yet somehow a bill has formed with actual like specific things in it mm-hmm. signed Many off things. on by the senate and so clearly this has passed it's passed the senate oh, oh the senate oh, oh it hasn't passed not gotten a vote in the oh, okay. house okay. not okay. gotten a all vote right. in the house so, so all right really interesting I, I mean really fascinating stuff about the negotiation it, it it felt like the 1980s or 90s again right so like all of the negotiations in the Senate that got to a bill that was like $560 million in new spending, billion dollars in new spending, right? Because it's $1 trillion. No. Dollar. Trilli- yeah. We're talking trillions. Yeah. Trillions and hundreds of billions. Uh, yeah, I can't even. Uh, <coughs> Lots of big money. numbers. Um, it's all over 10 years, so. And so, Sorry, you know, there were some, like, speeches. They pass it. Like, 16 Republicans vote for it or something like that. Great. They immediately moved to pass the fr- the budget, the $3.5 trillion budget framework, completely partisan lines. Now, Which all is what those, we'd expect. Yeah. All of those things are over on the House side. And there is this now tension about, and the House is on recess until next week, some tension about. Because it's not like there's anything important to get work done on. But, you know. But the, the tension is about whether or not they're going to vote on them separately. So, you know, the, there, are, there are people in the Democratic Party who say we're not going to allow a vote. We're not going to pass the $1 trillion package unless we pass the $3.5 trillion budget framework at the same time. And which is going to go through the process everybody learned about last year, reconciliation. <laughs> Nobody knew about it before. Um, and... And I think there are like nine Democrats who are saying, no, we're not going to let you, we're not going to pass the $3.5 trillion one unless you do the $1 trillion one first. So it's, so it's a really interesting time for Nancy Pelosi, who's got to try to navigate these, you know, a, a thin <laughs> like majority. <sighs> Like, I, <coughs> uh, I feel like, yeah, those the nine Democrats, like, if, if they, if they, here's the thing, if they passed the bipartisan bill as it is, guarantees the reconciliation does not pass. Like, nearly guarantees it, right? Because, because at that point, then there's no pressure on Manchin or Cinema or any of the more conservative Democrats in the Senate to pass the reconciliation. So, yeah. The trillion dollar budget already passed the Senate. The three point five trillion dollar one. No. Yeah. No, it didn't. Not really. The 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 framework did. The 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 deal did not. 
fine. So there, there's yes, there is an agreement to say there will be three point five billion dollars spent, but we don't have the but the specific details. Okay, have yeah, to get, that's fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It, it will. Yes. Okay, that's fair. So, just real quick, technical note, people. Uh, uh, we were trying to figure out, make sure we were speaking correctly, because we want to make sure to do this in real time, because I don't want to have to edit this later and you know voiceover and whatever else. So we were just trying to clarify. There is something that has passed the Senate, which right. is the framework, framework. of the $3.5 trillion, which is basically saying, we'd like to spend $3.5 trillion. And so that has passed the Senate. The specific details of the budget and, and the exact yes. details of the bill have not passed the Senate. Right, because so, that's the reconciliation right, process. Right, so that's the that, reconciliation that process. So basically, the order of operations that had originally been thought out was you pass the bipartisan deal in the Senate. That goes to the House. The House then passes the I'm so confused by this now right well I mean once so <laughs> so once the the like bo basically both bills have to end up passed right so but but once the the 3.5 trillion dollar framework is approved by the house then that's the framework right and and the details need to be worked out you know, I think you lose leverage either way, you know, about exactly what's in there as soon as they're passed. But I. Yeah. Well, I basically, the House's hostage <laughs> is the bipartisan deal. Right. So so what has to happen is then they would create the reconciliation bill, which would go to the Senate when the Senate passes. the re So basically, roughly simultaneously, the Senate passes the reconciliation bill and the House passes the bipartisan deal. And they both go to Biden, and they're both signed, and birds sing, and birds, trains birds run sing. by, it'll, it'll be a singing the praises of Biden. You know, funny, funny story about that. Um, you know, this week has been state fair in Illinois. Everybody loves a good state fair. Nothing Fried like a butter everything. cow. And uh, they have Democrat Day and Republican Day, and, you know, electeds go down and whatnot. Tammy Duckworth. Governor's Day. The Democratic Day oh, is, right, Governor's is Governor's Day. Day right, so. Yes, but anyhow, go on. Um, Duckworth speaking and Senator Duckworth, and a train goes roaring by, and she has to, like, pause her speech for minutes. And I guess it got awkward. And then she just picked back up and started talking about infrastructure. Right. So, nice work. <laughs> nice I know, work. I, I know the feeling. Yeah, I know. Yes. I feel just like Tammy Duckworth. Sen Senator that, Duckworth, we're channeling your spirit case. here. We're anyhow, trying. Um, we're trying. I'm going to get us beers. Yes. I think you should get us beers. Uh... Let me look at what the beer list has on it. Well, now you got beer. What did we get? What did we? What did okay, you have? yeah. So that's a great. It's a great thing. So again, we're at we're at Dovetail, which is I know one of your favorite places. Yes. Maybe just proximity, and that's also fine. Uh, it is. It is both proximity and also the best lager I have generally consumed. Uh, I mean, yes. So, I mean, German style beers here. Yeah, they're general. all about the German style, very traditional style of brewing. And actually, you know, I've really appreciated that we've done German style <laughs> a couple of times already. That we've been able to be outside because some of the best outside places are the German style. So after Metropolitan here, so yeah. um, I had a lager already, and it was. I mean, just delicious. It's 86 degrees outside. I rode my bike over here. You know, so, like, to, to park your bike and rock up and get a beautiful, cold, crisp lager. Yeah. I have to say, like, <clears throat> over time, like, lagers have become my go-to. Like, I'm just, like, there's just something, like, just they're crisp and, like, yeah. tasty. And, like, you can pretty much have them any time of year. I think they're a little more of a summer beer than winter beer. But, you know, but then you go with the Vienna lager they have here, which is more of the more autumnal vibe to it. But, um... Yeah, just I mean, and they just do it so well, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you got to think if you're going to do German style beers, you can't even open the doors without a lager that that people just oh yeah think it's about, gotta be good. right? It's got to be good. Like as soon as it gets you know a certain temperature, somebody's like, yes. I would like that dovetail lager. That's it. yeah, so and you're not going to get the pumpkin rice crispy theme beer here. Like that's not that's not what they do here. They do. Very traditional styles of beer, and they do them very well. Yeah, and so my uh, this beer is a pumpkin uh, rice crispy Kolsch. No. <laughs> I did switch to the Kolsch now, which, which I would try if they had it. Uh, yeah, it's exactly. probably pretty good. It's probably pretty good. Yeah, no. and the Kolsch is also 
also excellent. Yes, and I start with and a. What have you got? I start with the dovetail logger, and they have a. They have actually three loggers. They have the the standard logger, they have the Hell's logger, which is a little lighter, mm-hmm. and the Vienna logger, Vienna logger, which is a little darker. Um, and then this is their Hefeweiss. It's a beautiful representation of and it's Hefeweiss. Got that nice little little banana vibe to the east in there. It really is gorgeous. Nice. And remember, in German, Hellas just means light. So, Well, that would explain it. The opposite of Dunkel, which is dark. Well, I've learned something. And the something that I've learned is it's hard to talk over the L train. It so is. It is hard to talk over the uh, L train. I will tell you next? the last time I was in Germany, you know, it was noch einmal helles, bitte. So please give me another of the lighter beers. Anyway. I, so just, I just point and grunt and it usually yeah, works out uh, okay. I mean, that's probably what it sounded Lights, like anyway. dark. Yeah. You know. Um, so the ninjas. Can we talk about the ninjas? Let's talk about the ninjas. What do you got to say about or the ninjas, ninjas, sir? Ninja, so right. It's a ninja. Ninja. Um, so we're talking about Arizona. We're talking about Maricopa County. We're talking about looking for bamboo fibers inside of ballots. Um, the ninja report is supposed to drop any day now. Any day. And I'm sure it will be a deeply well thought out fact based mm. analysis. So you've got all this other activity going on around it. So we've got lawsuits that they keep losing that say you've got to release information about who's funding it audit procedures like how everything's going you've got to inject transparency into the process you know basic protections of democracy kind of things you know you've got the uh you've got the county suing the senate in arizona for the money it will take to replace all the voting machines which they can no longer use because the chain of custody was broken right in the voting machine. Right. Because, so I mean, for all they know, those voting machines were delivered to T-Mobile, and they're now completely compromised. So They would probably have been better off at T-Mobile than where they are. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's saying a lot. Go on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the MyPillow guy had access to them for a while. I'm not even, I don't even want to start talking about, about Mike Lindell, but MyPillow yeah. guy. Um, the... The Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, who's also going to run for governor, it looks like, has released a statement, so sort of pre-release, saying this whole thing is going to be bullshit. Just be ready for it. And here are all the reasons why. Um, and the president of the county commissioning board, who is a Republican, released a thing that said, like, I'm always going to fight for conservative values, but I'm not going to lie about an election like these guys are doing. Yeah. I'm sure Fox News will cover that statement in detail. I mean, I think Fox News is staying away from it. They're staying well, away from it. Well, you know, and actually, this is the thing. Fox News is actually, like, I don't want to, let me be clear. I don't want you to think that I think that Fox News is at all an above-board, news-centric outlet. But uh, there are worse now. <laughs> so they'll be the ones who are covering it and talking about the cyber ninjas. Yeah. Fine, and, fine research. Right. And, well... A lot of the funding has come from or through uh, someone at OAN. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, we're going to keep an eye on this. It is. I'm smiling, but I'm terrified. So there you go. That's. <laughs> that'd be a good name for a podcast, you know? It would. Smiling, but terrified. <laughs> I mean, really describes the last 18 months. Right. Speaking of that. Could be, Delta variant. Where are we? How's it? How's it going? I mean, we're here. We're outside. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I will say outside. that is one nice thing is that you know if we're gonna have a surge in COVID, doing it when it's uh, summertime in Chicago, we can be outside and and avoid sort of the riskier scenarios is is very helpful. Ladies we just had gentlemen. the infrastructure hat trick, everybody. We had <laughs> two L trains and the Metro simultaneously. Northbound, southbound, and the we Metro. Were, we are one short of the the Tetris of them of getting four. So, right. 
or a bus just sliding right in, and then they all disappear. (laughs) Pace bus shows up. CTA bus shows up. It's chaos. (laughs) Dude Um. in a rickshaw. So (laughs) So anyhow, uh, what was I talking about? Viruses, Delta. It's it's nice to be able to be outside. Yes, it's nice to be able to be outside. Um, We have, as of today, we are now back under a mandatory mask ordinance in Chicago. If you're indoors, uh, you're required to wear a mask. If you're vaccinated or not, vaccinated or not. Um, you know, and all the information we have at this point suggests that while vaccinated people are less likely to catch COVID, much less likely to get severely sick or die from it. If they do catch it and they do become contagious, you know, they can spread just as yeah. easily as somebody who is not vaccinated. And the weird part of all of this is <sighs> that it's hard to feel like we have good data, but we have a lot of bad anecdotes right and so it's like oh look hey people in the senate hickenlooper testing positive yes like um yeah and and, and you just like all these people who are vaccinated because it's 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 fun for the media to report well the thing is like even if you're looking at like the the studies are doing like we've been talking recently about the possibility of a third booster shot and Part of the rationale for this is the, the, the possibility of a waning uh, effectiveness of the vaccines. Now, and I should say, well, first of all, I say third booster shot. I'm talking about obviously about the Pfizer and Moderna shots because the J&J shot is still only one shot at this point. Um, they don't have enough data yet to suggest where they need to do a booster for J&J. So that's point one. Point two is that um, as we're looking at this data, we don't know how much of what's changed mm-hmm. is because the vaccines are waning or because we're all acting differently. Yeah. So the Pfizer and Moderna all look, you know, like 98%, 96% really, really good. Yes. But at the time, everybody was locking themselves in their private crypts, hoping nobody would go near them. And we were hosing down our food with Lysol. So... So trying to measure efficacy at that point versus right now where we're all tired of wearing masks, we're all tired of uh, social distancing, where we're more often hanging out with people who are not in our own households. Uh, Licking Um, handrails again. I mean, you know, even like, let's let's be straight up, like, you know, we're outside, but, you know, EJ and I did not record podcasts in person for the better part of a year yeah, because of, you know, trying to be safe about things. Now, now that we're vaccinated, we feel like, okay, we, there was a, an acceptable risk to doing this because we really needed a drink. Um, we, we did one in-person podcast and that was at your house. And yes. we were sitting comically far away. <laughs> yes, we were. Like table. extending the cables as far as they could go yeah. from, to the recording device. And, yeah. And it was delightful. But um, It was delightful being that far away yeah. from you. I agree. Uh, and it's a... <sighs> so so yeah. it's hard to know the, the exact details. What we can reasonably conclude at this point is if you're vaccinated, you're less likely to catch it. You're much less likely to get severely sick from it. And you're very, very much less likely to die from it. We know this from the data we have. We just don't know the relative risk at this point. And it may vary depending on which vaccine yeah. you've got. Like there's some s- reports that seem like maybe the Pfizer vaccine isn't holding up as well as the Moderna vaccine. But there might be other va- other things that'll say exactly the opposite because all of it's very preliminary. Yeah. Who knows? Depends on how you're measuring it, what populations you're looking at. Well, and and here's the thing, sort of speaking of populations, that it's now back to school time. Yes. And... CPS starts August 30th, a week from Monday, so 10 days from now. Um, Obviously, most kids, you know, K through K through five or and halfway through six are going to be too young to get the vaccine. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I had and I had uh, (laughs) I was on a work call and it was just like. Just starting up the work call, first hopping on the Zoom or whatever, and one of the guys first hopped on, you know, hadn't seen him in a while, and we're just kind of like, oh, hey, how's it going? He's like, just immediately r- runs into, uh, both of my kids are going to school now. Only one of them can be vaccinated. Their school nominally has a mask mandate, but not even the teachers 
obeying it. And this isn't, you know, obviously in a more red part where, of the where country are they here. Uh, in, in the Georgia area. Uh, so it's like somewhere where nominally they have mask mandates, but if nobody's enforcing it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Oh, and the best part is that, so they're in their classrooms or whatever, masks, if they're wearing them, whatever. Then they go to lunch. They all crowd into the same lunchroom they've always been crowding into, and nobody can wear masks when you're having lunch, and it's a bunch of different classes in there. Like, uh, hi, that totally blows up any other attempt to yeah. protect people that you would have otherwise done. So it, this is the this is the thing that is, to me, the scariest part about all of this, that nobody is in charge. You know, in in some states, you've got, you know, from the governor on down, the, the federal government is only giving guidelines. In some states, the, the governor and kind of on down are saying, we want to do one thing, and you've got some alignment. In other states, the governor is saying one thing, school boards are saying the other you know, DeSantis and, you know, DeSantis is threatening administrators yeah. and teachers pay. In Texas, you've got school boards that are trying to f exploit uh, loopholes to try to have a mask mandate by putting it in the dress code. Like, I mean, it's craziness. And what you don't hear from is any medical professional in any of those situations. They're all politicians. Well, it all varies, right? So, like districts. some places, like so, some some governments are very heavily investing in having real medical professionals being part of the guidance, being public figures talking about it, and in other places, it's uh, exactly the opposite of that. But what's what's terrifying for me is that the politicians who are seeing violence come about because of their reluctance or abhorrence to listening to science or erring on the side of safety and embracing it or pretending like it's not happening. Yeah. I mean, we've got teachers who are being attacked. We've got, you know, staff being attacked. School board members being threatened. Yeah. And, yeah, they don't care. No, they don't care. And that's, you know, you can, I think you can have differing opinions about how a school should be run. But if you aren't defaulting to what's going to keep people safe. That's the thing that's so I, crazy right now. It, it, it's, it's <sighs> like, you know, we had political, we've always had political divides in this country. But I don't feel like there's been a time where it's like. A very basic understanding of safety, like that, we, like that was one where it's like, okay, we can all agree on that. Like this is a problem. I mean, like, I don't, I'm not aware of, and obviously, I don't have a deep understanding of the history, but I'm not aware of during like the Spanish flu epidemic that they had any sort of political divide over it. Like there were anti-mask people, mm -hmm. but there were also, but that was like back when like police would enforce mask sure, rules yeah. and and such. So, um. And so now it's this weird, like, politicization of it, which makes no sense. No. Like, no. Like, even, like, at a purely, like, base, like, cynical level, those people are people you want to be alive and voting for you. And yet. And yet. Doors open on the left at Irving Park. I, it really is baffling to me. It is baffling to me. And, you know, some governors have come out and said, hey, hey actually, could you please wear masks? I think we should wear masks, even Republican ones. And Yeah, it's, it's it, is, not, it is it's disheartening. It's not affecting your freedom to wear a mask. So let's talk about governors because we've yes. had some interesting. Oh, we didn't talk about Lollapalooza. We should mention that real quick. So Lollapalooza, <laughs> though many of us were like, that's going to be a super spread event. It's going to be a total hot mess. There was like, in the, of the 300 to 400,000 attendees, like 200 got COVID. That might have picked it up there, but might not have. I mean. So we're fine. You want to have I an outdoor festival like with a bunch of people who are vaccinated. 
Okay, fine. I, I'm having trouble reconciling, however, the continued upward trajectory of positivity rates in the city with it is apparently the unrelated. That the, apparently, so how's like, our how's our, like, how's our contact tracing infrastructure? Well, I mean, I mean, as far as it goes, like I I don't trust Lightfoot on this, but I do trust um, what's her name, the uh, Allison Arbery. Yes. Um, I I trust her take on it, and because yeah. like even when they were talking about Lollapalooza, like it's very clear she was like, eh, I'm not sure this is a good yeah. idea, but she didn't really say it out loud. But like she's been very affirmative that this yeah. is not a, it was not a super spreader event, et cetera, et cetera. It's just a minor spreader event. Well, and and I guess that's good because this weekend is Air and Water Show reimagined. Well, and they've done everything they can to make it both exist and not, not exist so much that you would go out of your way to crowd around a beach uh, in Chicago to watch it. It's going to be, you know, an hour-long air show, just the Blue Angels, once on Saturday, once on Sunday. That's it. Make. And I'll probably, I'm going to go down and see it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I'm not going to, like, make a big thing of it. Can't see it from your deck? I can see part of it, I, I suspect, see. but it's like I, I won't have as good a view. So I'm just going to like ride my bike down or walk yeah. down and watch from the park. Because you see at air shows, they have a show center, and the show center at the Air and Water Show is North Ave. And the show center is not my deck. It's so not your deck. There you go. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. So, Governors. Uh, governors. Cuomo. Yeah, you want to go east to west? Let's go east to west. I Cuomo mean, gone. Cuomo out. Cuomo out. I. I I'm kind of surprised, honestly. Like I figured he was <laughs> just going to he was just going to hang white on. knuckle that. And I, I think we came to the point that it was like very clear. It's like with Nixon. It was like it was very clear he was going to be impeached anyhow. So, yeah. oh well, yeah. time to so, go. You know, he's been dogged for quite some time about you know charges of misogyny and you know the general atmosphere inside of the governor's office and whatnot. And um, uh, Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York launched an investigation and the report came out and it was extensive yeah <laughs> but the best way i could describe it is who boy yes <laughs> like i was reading through parts of it and just like i wow yeah wow i mean i mean it's the kind of thing where like don draper would be like hey look maybe this is a little too far there buddy yeah just just calm down on the <laughs> right. on the misogyny. Well, and like Cuomo's immediate response was hysterical. It's yeah, like this PowerPoint deck of look at me hugging, and kissing yeah, people. Oh God, that's just what I do. Look and at all like, these other un inappropriate things that I've done. That's not really your. Did you get you guys missed these in the report? And you know, I I thought he was going to stick it out until the point where Joe Biden was like, he needs to resign. I'm like when the president is of your party. And he tells you you've got to resign. You kind of have to go. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, his sort of resignation speech, which was, again, like, I hug all the people. I'm Italian. This is okay. If I've done anything to be, you're like, ugh, just, just say I was wrong. Yes. I'm out. Yes. This is all about us being anti-Italian. Yeah. Because yeah. that's. This, you know, that was the thing with the Columbus statues, too. It was only that we're anti-Italian. There's no other context relevant to this. So now, doors open up on the right yeah, exactly. at Montrose. And so now there's going to be a new governor. So, so actually, let me say this thing. I, you don't have to give two weeks notice <laughs> when you're resigning because you were harassing people. I mean, yeah, it's polite. It's but polite. he did, which felt very you weird. You want to make sure it's a smooth transition. Smooth transition. I got I got five, six butts to grab before the end of the, my term. You got some processes and procedures to document. Yeah, a couple of PowerPoint decks you're working on, and you got to land those I, I before you head out the door. Before you go, I don't. So you know, you got to compile some code. I mean, I'm I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what a, honestly, I don't know what a governor does. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
So I, I, I got, I got windbreakers. I got the new windbreaker design that I got, right. to, got to approve. So New York will have the, its first female governor, Kathy Hochul, who is which is a which is a wonderful like final twist of all of this, right? It is, it is how it should be, um, and she's reasonably uh, let's call it centrist. You know, she's not a you know she's from upstate New York. Um, she's going to come in at a time where you know she'll have some challenges to overcome. Um, I will say, from a leadership standpoint, the first thing I actually saw from her recently was. You know, we want to accept refugees from Afghanistan. Bring them to New York. We own this. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, great. So Love it. So that's great. Um, I mean, I'd rather o- send them to, you know, places, purple states and get them to vote. But, you know, <laughs> whatever. I'm, I'm a little more uh, a little more about the long game, I guess. But New York's fine. Any, any place is fine. They need safe spaces. Um, but then we go to the other coast. Gavin French Laundry Newsom. I kills mean, me still, but uh, mostly because I really like to go to the French Laundry. But you know, I, whatever. Uh, so this is the the recall process in in California is very interesting. It is it's a two question ballot. First question is, should we get rid of the the governor? Right. Yes. Straightforward. No? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a question below: Who do you want to be governor? Right. Um, that can't include the current governor. Presumably, yes. So, and whoever gets the plurality of votes, if the top vote is majority yes, yes, then whoever gets the plurality of the votes below will be right. governor. Now, you may remember this because this is how Arnold Schwarzenegger rose to power. Because Gray Davis, who won regularly during the general election, was not exactly popular per se, but when given the choice of Democratic governor versus Republican governor... They kept going for Gray Davis. Uh, but then they did a recall. That's how we got Arnold. Uh, still one of the more reasonable-sounding Republicans out there. But anyway. Yeah, exactly. I, actually, I think that's a great point because he's been fantastic. Like, I, I, like every time <laughs> I hear him like, talk, yeah, I'm just he's like, all this like, is great. Yep. Your yeah, anti-vaxxers okay. are being clowns. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyhow, uh, so... It's interesting is that there aren't any Democrats running right for that sort of fallback seat. Um, and, and that's intentional. Right? Intentionally, because they they're the theory being that you aren't going to have because because what could happen is and it's people say, oh, well, I don't really like uh, Newsom. And so I won't get rid of him to then support this Democrat. But then ultimately that gives a, a little window for a Republican to get the plurality right. and thus then win. Right. So right now, the and if they did that as like a, you have to actually get a majority, and there was a runoff and that sort of thing, like that would be a little more practical. But right. But like right now, the person, so, so the polls right now are a little dicey, <laughs> with like less than fifty percent of people in polls saying he should be kept. And like if you look across the polls, there are only a couple where it's above fifty percent, and nothing's above fifty-four. Um, which is scary because California is a very big state. Um, you know, the samples of people in these polls are not large. And, you know, something in the margin of error is certainly is certainly a reasonable expectation to happen yeah. because, you know, even though everybody in California is mailed a ballot, like turnout's going to be a thing. And well, Republicans are more, the red parts of the state are more energized to do something about it. And the other thing is that I think that it's, it's easier to drive something as a, anti whatever yeah like i like i just want to tear this down i don't like this thing i want to get rid of this thing like it's very easy to say in a vacuum i don't like this governor i want to get rid of him it's just that then the vacuum is now opened and now this other question is going to decide who fills it and that's a whole other pot mess yeah and the candidate who's in the lead right now 
again, if you start looking at averages, is Elder. I don't know anything about the candidates. i got to be honest with you. Don't know anything about them. Um, but with 19%. Yeah. So that doesn't feel Yeah, and so how messed up would that be that a guy who won with a majority gets kicked out of office because people decide they don't like him all of a sudden? Granted, he earned it, but uh, then is replaced with somebody who's maybe getting 20% of the vote. Yeah. Like, is that democratic? It feels... Feels weird, I'm man. Go with no. no, but it's scary times. Uh, scary times. So if you live in California and you're listening to us, uh, rate Good us luck. on iTunes, and then uh, now when does the recall actually happen? That is a great because question. Because what I'm wondering is when does it happen relative to redistricting? Um, I think it's September 14th. So the redistricting won't happen by then. I don't right. think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let me. So let me look at the timeline of uh, redistricting. And just as a quick aside, I bring up redistricting. So um, one of the things, obviously, that comes up is if control of the House. And if California is redistricting, that would give like right now, Democrats would control the entire process. Whereas if there's a Republican governor, then that would give him a say over what happens. Uh, Yeah. Well, no, in California, the. Oh, they have an independent commission in they California. They do well, have never an mind independent that. I don't know what the hell I'm talking so, about. Um, and that Sunday redistricting doesn't need to happen. The The maps need to be submitted by yes. November 13th. Yes. Uh, on a future podcast, we should talk about why I think Illinois should gerrymander more. Okay. So there you go. Well, we're going to find out how they gerrymander more. And it's a good segue into redistricting because that's the other big thing. We had the census numbers come out such as they are. Oh, I suppose we do have redistricting on here. Well, okay. Then I guess we'll talk about it now rather yeah. than talking about it in the future. Well, well I mean, but, but I think... Once we see the numbers, if you're not in Chicago, one of the things you may not know is that the metro trains have engines always on the north side. So sometimes they're pulling the train. Sometimes they're pushing the train. Right, because they all start downtown. Yeah. And so downtown, they're pulling the train. It can sneak up on you. But going if back to the coming suburbs. south. Right. You're like, oh, that's very quiet. And then it's like, like oh, yeah, yeah okay. Uh, and also, most of them are diesel powered engines, except for the South Shore train, which is electric. There you go. The more you know. The more you know. And the L is entirely electric. Yeah. And much louder somehow. So. <laughs> Crappier tracks, I think. We, we've just gotten the, we've just gotten the, the census numbers. Uh, I don't know how much you've dug into them in your spare time. I, I haven't dug into them. I got the broad outlines of yeah. it. but um, I, it's There are re- some really interesting things there about Chicago and the country overall. I think that you know, the sort of top lines that I've seen from other people that are better takes than I could have is that the country is getting less white and more urban, um, which scares the shit out of every republican strategist i'm sure right um and now that we have those numbers redistricting is going to begin in earnest yeah all over and that the may that may be of some benefit when like court challenges come up around this of saying this isn't actually representative of the actual demographics of wherever yeah. because it's favoring more rural power versus urban power and that's not the way the numbers have actually panned right. out and i i guess I have one question for you to start. Yes. And then I want to talk just a little bit about the the reality of campaigning in this time. Okay. Um, because I'm always trying to make people feel empathetic or sympathetic towards uh, towards people running campaigns. But how do you feel about gerrymandering in Illinois? Well, yes. So I, I, I somewhat got ahead of this, apparently. But... Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I think that you need to look at it as a national thing. And I think that what I would like to see is national level reform that leads to independent district commissions across the board. Yeah. So everywhere there's a, you know, and there's various ways it's talked about, like having, you know, former judges, whatever, like, but basically having something that is reasonably objective as much as we can, trying to draw out districts that are, fairly representative and and this is good in several ways one is it ensures that districts are more competitive yeah um and it ensures just generally that we're you know things are more representative across the board um 
That said, it, if we've got states that are consciously gerrymandering one direction, then the states where there's the political winds are blowing the other direction should respond by gerrymandering just as severely. Yeah. Yeah, it's a So I don't want to I don't want to gerrymander Illinois, but if but if Georgia is going to be gerrymandered, gerrymander the shit out of this. Yeah, and I I mean it's it's entirely probable that the the state will be gerrymandered. I'm actually if it's And it is gerrymandered already. Yes, we'll continue to if be gerrymandered. If you look at a map of it is. Yeah. <laughs> there are well, but the logic of the gerrymandering is actually a little bit different in Illinois because it's much more tended to be about incumbent power rather than party alignment. Yes, um, there's a great there and was there's a great line from this judicial order too. Uh, well, yeah. there are lots of gerrymanders. Yes, in in it's Illinois right now, and there will be more. Um, there was a great line though from the Republican Day this week, which was. 70% of the voters in Illinois on a clear day can see the Sears Tower. Yes. So just think about that for a second. Um, I think there's right now there is one sort of essentially Hispanic district. So yes. there is a and that's where I live. Um, uh, Tui Garcia is our, our rep. Um, and, and this was gerrymandered by court order. Yeah, and if you look at that thing, I mean, it's it's one of the one of the districts that's often put up there as a look at the ridiculousness of this because it looks pretty ridiculous. Yes, yeah, it's connected, and we've mentioned this a long time ago. So you can go back to episode twelve and listen. It's a, like a minute forty-two. We talk about this. Um, if somebody goes back and fact checks me, I'll buy you a beer. Um, but it's connected by a swath of land. Sorry, it's connected by, I said swath, but what I really meant was spit of land. It's like, it's like Pac-Man's having a really bad day. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, how it's connected between the north and the south sides is like across a freeway where nobody lives. Right. It's, it's amazing. So I think there's a lot of speculation right now that, and I had some great conversations about this because we're having political meetings again in person um, that there's going to be a second the jury the the redistricting is going to have two hispanic districts um which makes sense which sounds, sounds good to me which sounds which sounds great and you know the thing that i was saying is that i'm talking to candidates already right like candidates who want to run you know there are people who are like yeah i've got a good shot unless i'm redistricted unless I'm redistricted and you know people change so I was yeah and that's part of the challenge is that you're supposed to be running for office next year and the redistricting happens between now and then so you don't know who like yeah, you don't like what? What does your voter file look like? <laughs> right, and you know, two of the the sort of more visible Republicans have not announced if they're running because they may get mandered into the same district. Right, um, and I, I was talking to another candidate who's like, "Well, if my district's the same, I think I've got a good shot. If the border moves north five blocks, I think I've got a great shot." If it moves south five blocks, I'm gonna I'm not gonna run. <laughs> and you're just like, jeez, like that's I'm which hey, good. Do you know your district? That yeah, well. we, I was pretty impressed by that. And the other thing that's happening right now is that the ward maps in Chicago are being redrawn, um, which used to be done by Dick Mel, who was the alderman of the 33rd ward and the father of the alderman before the current one, Deb Mel, and father-in-law of. Rod Blagojevich. Rod Blagojevich, who is suing the state of Illinois because he Over wants to what? run for office again. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he's not allowed to because of his felony conviction. he's a criminal. Anyway. And you would like to think that, well, he won't win because he's a criminal. 
we know that's not reliable. <laughs> we are in Illinois, after all. And everybody loves a comeback story. Everybody loves a comeback story in Illinois. Yes. Uh, so anyhow, that's uh, that's, that's us. What's going on right now? That's it. I think we've all caught up. Uh, nothing new. I I mean. I, I hope that you have enjoyed the sweet sounds of infrastructure around us. <laughs> perhaps perhaps for our ne next podcast, we should record somewhere that is not proximal, pro in proximity. Not in proximity to uh, rail traffic. Yeah, if you need me, I'll be Googling closest brewery to O'Hare. Right. Um, <laughs> one, one final thing that I want to leave us. O'Hare, just go, to, uh, go, go do Tiki and go to Halakihiki. Yeah, nice. The uh, one final thing I want to say to our Norwegian audience, uh, somebody who joined us on a podcast in the past from Norway, uh, a, 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 a fellow named Ulla. Um, uh, he was a colleague of mine. He's just left for a new job. So, Ulla, if you're listening, uh, good luck. Uh, good hunting in the new area. And uh, we're going to miss you there. So with that, thanks, everybody. It's the last train. Stay safe, everybody. <laughs> Ride a train with your mask on. Woo-woo. Bye-bye. Right. Take care.